0: Hello, left fielders. Welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast. Our community is focused on networking and education to help people invest passively and think differently. Let's go.
1: That operator had never managed a C class asset. He had a management company and he was going to manage it. He had 4,000 doors, so I thought he knew what he was doing. Well, when I finally wrestled it away from him eight months in, the income was 98,000 a month when we sold it last month it was at 280 okay and so that's what we had to do with it because he didn't know what he was doing and there's a lot of that out there and so You know, even in seasoned operators, I made the mistake and I'm perceived as an expert. I assumed he knew what he was doing. A-S-S-U-M-E, right? Separated. So it's just very, very important that you do your homework. You don't jump into deals and people raising money so, so fast right now. But I know these deals. There's a lot of scary deals out there right now that people aren't aware are scary.
0: Since you are here listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you're investing with a group of people. Whether you're investing with family or friends or like-minded people in the left field investors community, group investing is a strategy that can get you into more deals, help you diversify and go beyond what you can achieve by yourself. Before TribeVest came along, it was difficult to overcome all the hurdles associated with group investing. It was basically a strategy reserved for the wealthy, not anymore. Now, Tribevest helps your group with everything from incorporation, collaboration, banking, and equity management tools all in a single place. So you can focus on building wealth with the people you know, like, and trust. I'm using Tribevest for all five, now six, of my investor tribes. It's a game changer. Check them out at Tribevest.com.
2: You are listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast, powered by TribeFest. The mission of Left Field Investors is to build a community of like-minded individuals interested in creating financial freedom through passively investing in real assets that generate real cash flow. In this podcast, Jim Piper will interview passive investors, syndicators, and others who will share their journey with a focus on helping the passive real estate investor learn and become part of a Left Field community.
1: Hi, this is Ryan Steig, one of the co-founders of Left Field Investors, and you are listening to Passive Investing from Left Field.
0: I'm very pleased today to have Rod Cleef with us. He is a business owner, real estate investor, author, philanthropist, and podcaster. He is the host of the Lifetime Flow Through Real Estate Investing podcast, which has an unbelievable 13 million downloads. So that's fantastic. Rod, welcome to the Passive Investing from Left Field podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Jim. Let's have some fun today. Absolutely. I'm really glad you're here. And I'd like to start with
0: your journey, uh, your financial journey. How did you get from wherever you started financially
1: to where you are now? Sure, sure. Well, it's a long, sorted story, but I will minimize it. So I'm an immigrant. I uh, immigrated to this country when I was six years old with my brother, Albert, my mother's Vansha. I was born in the Netherlands, you know, wooden shoes and windmills. And we ended up in Denver, Colorado, and when we first got there, we really struggled. I remember eating expired food. We shopped at an expired food store, drinking powdered milk with our cereal in the morning, which I promise you sounds better than it is because it was cheaper than real milk. And I, I remember wearing clothes from the Goodwill and the Salvation Army all the way through junior high school till I lied about my age at Burger King so I could finally have some money and buy my own clothes. And you know, I'm sure you've got listeners that may have started out harder than than I did, but you know, I knew I wanted more. And Luckily, my mom had an incredible work ethic, so she babysat kids so we'd have enough money to eat, and she was a bit of an entrepreneur with her babysitting money. She actually invested in the stock market successfully, and she also invested in real estate successfully, and her first real estate acquisition was the house directly across the street from us. When I was 14, she paid $30,000 for it, and then when I was 17, she told me she'd made $20,000 in her sleep, and I'm like, what? You made $20,000 and you didn't do anything? Screw college, mom. I'm getting into real estate. So I got my real estate broker's license right when I turned 18. I was not just an agent, I was a broker, which back then you could do with education. They got smart now and you need some experience before you can be a broker. But yeah, I was a broker. Well, my first year in real estate, I made about eight to ten thousand dollars. My second year, maybe ten to twelve thousand. Of course, this is 44 years ago, so don't hold me to the exact numbers, but it was right around that. But my third year, I made over $100,000, which back in 1980 was some pretty decent change. So what happened between year two and year three that caused me to 10x my income? Well, what happened was I met a guy, I was actually dating his daughter, and then I ended up working for him. He was a broker himself that taught me about the importance of mindset and psychology and how really 80 to 90% of your success in anything, certainly business, is mindset and psychology it's not the you know the technical stuff that that you jim and i talk about on our podcast it's really you know, taking action and not letting it just be entertainment, but actually taking action with it and pushing through fear. So many of us have fear or limiting beliefs, or maybe we're comfortable and the comfort zone's a warm place and we both know nothing freaking grows there, right? So, you know, uh, it's that mindset and psychology that gets you to push through that. And, you know, fast forward to today, I've owned a couple thousand houses that I've rented long-term. I own thousands of apartment units. In 2006, my net worth went up $17 million while I slept. And you might say, wow. And I said, wow. And I got a head so big, I could barely fit it through a door. I thought I was a freaking real estate God. And you know, when that happens, God of the universe will give you a nice little smack. Well, that was 2008 and 2009. I lost everything. I lost $50 million conservatively in 2008 and 2009. So what I'm known for talking about on my podcast and at my boot camps is... Really, the mindset it took to have fifty million to lose in the first place, but then, as importantly, or maybe even more importantly, the mindset it took to recover from losing fifty million dollars. And you know, as we go into this upcoming recession, which is a, a pretty much a given, we're we're heading into a recession. Mindset's going to be more important than ever. Be, you know, don't get me started on the fake news and the negative news out there, which are there. You know, the news isn't there to inform us; it's there to startle us and to scare us. And and so, you know, it's so important you know, if you're listening to Jim, you're a leader and, and right now more than ever, the world's going to need leaders. And, and as a leader, it's important that you pay attention to your focus and what you're focused on. And like I said, you know, don't bring in the negative stuff. And, and I know that's easy for me to say, and it's hard to do, especially with, even with social media and everything right now, it's just everywhere. And so, you know, you really have to stand guard at your mind, at the door to your mind and, and try to bring in the good stuff. Um, and and mitigate that bad stuff because you know whatever you focus on gets larger, both positive or negative. Okay, and you know when I lost everything in 2008 and 9, it would have been real easy for me to focus on loss, and of course I did for a while. If I hadn't, I'd have capitalized on that one. I'm going to capitalize on this one that's coming. I can tell you that. And by the way, there is incredible opportunity coming. Just so you know, could be the opportunity of our lifetime, frankly. You know, I missed out on 08 and 9 because I was licking my wounds, but I will not this time. And so you know, and I'll tell you about my boot camp coming up the end of July. You can make that a super reasonable, and you'll want to go because if you're trying to learn this business, you know, and invest in deals, there's a lot of, like a, you and I talked about, Jim, before we started recording. There's a lot of people that are being super aggressive right now. They're they're doing deals that are they've exceeded plausibility, and they're, there's going to be some reckoning there. And so it's super critical that you invest with, you know, with people that do stress tests and really con- are more conservative rather than aggressive right now. And I've got some resources there I'll share with your listeners here in a minute too. But the point is focus is critical. You know, they asked Mother Teresa if she was anti-war when she was alive. They asked her, are you anti-war? She said, no, I'm pro-peace. You know, and I'll get people to call me and say, how do I get out of student loan debt? And I say, wrong question. How do you make so much debt that the, I mean, so much money that the debt's irrelevant? And so it's just super critical right now to pay attention to your focus. And, you know, as things get rough, just to focus on the things that you want, not what you don't want, because, you know, there's going to be some hurt. There's going to be some layoffs. There's going to be, you know, it's going to get a little ugly. I and mean, we we've already seen price concessions and things like that happening. And it's going to continue. I mean, the Fed has said they're going to raise the rate five more times. And, you know, I we were able to get a deal for about 44 million right before they raised the rates and they dropped the price to 38 million and we still backed out. And so, you know, and you're going to see that. And it's just critical that and somebody bought it for more than than that. So, you know, it's just critical that you're conservative now, not aggressive. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. There's a lot there and I have have a few questions. Before I start with with some of the questions, can you talk a little bit about how did you recover from losing the 50 million and what are you doing differently and what lessons did you learn along the way that can prepare you for what's coming now? Here's what happened.
1: It was my single family that pulled me down and I'll explain why. Okay. So I had 800 houses and I had several apartment complexes uh, and my houses were along the Gulf coast of Florida. So like two hours North of Sarasota, where I live and two hours South and everywhere in between. And so what killed me was, and and I'm answering your question, but I'm taking the long route here. So what killed me was, you know, if I had a maintenance issue at one of my apartment complexes. Everything's the same, you know—the plumbing parts are the same, the HVAC parts, the the appliance parts, the locks and the windows and all that. And you could stockpile parts, and a maintenance guy could be in and out in an hour. Well, if he had to go to one of my houses, my 800 C-class houses. So these were C-class houses. So you know, it's A, B, C, and D class. D is the hood. C is just a step above the hood. Well, it's not really. It's more than that. But the, it's working class. But th- that demographic is harder on properties, and those properties are. Older, so they they require a lot more maintenance. So the maintenance is extensive. And if I had to send somebody to one of my houses that's an hour, hour and a half away, one way, they have to go see what's wrong. Then they have to find a Home Depot or a Lowe's, you know, to get parts. And I don't know about you, Jim, but when Rod tries to fix something in his house, he ends up going to Home Depot more than once. And so, you know, what took an hour at one of my apartment complexes took all day at one of my 800 houses. So that really killed my cash flow. Also, Florida has no state income tax, so property taxes are higher. I had properties in wind and flood zones, so higher insurance. Both of those things impact cash flow. But really the final straw for me was and by the way, I was only at a 30% loan to value. I always get haters online that say Oh, yeah, you must have been over leveraged. No, I was not. 30% loan to value. But what killed me was I didn't pay attention to tenant demographics back then. If they had a good job, you know, and they made money and they didn't have horrible credit, I rented to them with a deposit. What I came to find out, well, I kind of knew, but didn't think it was going to be a problem, was a lot of my tenants were jobbers, contractors, plumbers, electricians, drywallers, roofers, painters. And that fell off a freaking cliff in 2009. So they didn't have work. And then, you know, what's really interesting is my portfolio actually went upside down. It dropped more than 70%. That's how bad it hit here in Florida. But the reason I bring that up is my multifamily did just fine it pulled back. But if I hadn't cross collateralized those apartment buildings with packages of houses, I still have those apartment buildings. Okay. So, you know, I thought I'd, it was brilliant saving, you know, 50 basis points, refinancing a package like that with the apartment complex and the houses. And so the houses pulled it down and I lost it all. But my point is they would have survived and I really got the lesson there. And so I started my podcast about six years ago just to tell people You know, if you're going to buy and hold, for God's sakes, do multifamily. It's so much safer. Yeah, it pulled back about 11%, but it's just, it's the most solid, secure asset class there is. I mean, even with the 089 crash, rents exceeded 2006 levels within three years of the crash. You know, even through this COVID thing, I thought COVID was going to be the catalyst. And, you know, you didn't see retail getting money from the government. You didn't see office getting money from the government. Self-storage, you know, industrial, they didn't get money. But the renters all got money to so they could stay in their homes. We got hundreds of thousands of dollars in some of our assets in rent relief paid on behalf of the renters. And so, you know, it's just a fantastic asset class. So I started my podcast just to tell people, you know, if you're going to buy and hold, for God's sakes, do multifamily, not single family. And and then, you know, and I used to tell people early on in my podcast, I'd say, I'll never sell you anything. And I never intended to, I just wanted to add value. And now I'm a liar because I've got courses and coaching and, and boot camps. In fact, let me mention my boot camp. So I've got three day live event coming up the end of July. It's the 29th, 30th and 31st in Denver. Denver is the hub for United. So you can fly there nonstop from anywhere. And let me tell you how you can come for $197 for all three days. It's not a sales pitch. It's just training. Okay. And so it's really, I mean, I go through every aspect of the business from picking a market, evaluating that market, you know, building a team, finding team members. In fact, there'll be a ton of people there you can can connect with for that because this Business really is a team sport, the multifamily business. But also, you know, going through evaluating a deal, underwriting it, how to put the right financing on it. Right now, debt is very dangerous and you need to be very, very careful with debt right now because most of the deals are bridge debt and it's adjustable rate and they're, you know, you have to pay for a big cap. If you're not paying attention to what your your refinance rate is and you're not stress testing that refinance rate. I mean, we just put a 138 unit deal under contract in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Great area, Starbucks there and everything else. And, and, and we're paying $54,000 a unit. And by the way, if you're accredited and you want to check that out, it's, it's going to be a very minimal raise. So it'll go pretty quick. But if you text the word partner to 72345 and get on our portal, you'll, about the time this airs probably. Do you know when this will air, by the way, Jim? Yeah it'll probably be late June. Okay. All right. Well then it may still be available then if you text partner to 72345. It's a very conservative deal. I mean we stress tested it at 8% takeout refinance rate, you know, to make sure that if it really got ugly if we could, you know, it still be okay and it would be. And so it is super important that, you know, that you're stress tested that people are stress testing these deals. But anyway, that boot camp if you text my name Rod to 72345. Remember to use the code RODFRIEND because the tickets will ultimately be 700 bucks, but you can come for $197. And if you have any trouble with the ticket, just DM me on any social channel. We are very responsive. I have a whole team that helps with that. But again, $197 for three days of training without a big sales pitch is kind of a no-brainer, even if you're a passive investor. Why would you give your hard-earned money to someone if you didn't have some basic understanding the business? You need to be there because you know, and that's not just real estate. That's the stock market. Anything you know, it's don't risk your hard-earned money. Because I'm going to tell you, and I mentioned this to Jim before we started recording. There's some some operators out there that are way too aggressive right now, and they're going to have deals that go south, and certainly are not going to hit the returns that they promised. And so, you know, super important that you have some basic understanding, and you leave the three days, you have a whole lot more than a basic understanding of this business. So I hope you'll come again. That's text. My name, Rod, to seven, two, three, four, five. And you remember the code Rod friend. But yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank you for that. And I'll definitely put all that in the show notes with text numbers and things that you listed. One question I have to ask, you know, you say you lost 50 million dollars. How did you get the courage or maybe it's something other, get back in real estate? What were you thinking?
1: I actually started another company, a litigation support company that I built out of the ashes of that to turn into ultimately a $10 million company with 60 employees, but I hated it. But we saved a lot of families' homes. I helped people that were in foreclosure save their homes, and we built law firms in five states and all that. But I knew I, my love is real estate. I mean, that's truly is my passion. It's my freaking love. And, and so I started the podcast because I knew I'd, you know, I wasn't going to do residential and in commercial, I'd have to ask for money. And so that was one of the other reasons I started the podcast. And of course, it's done that, you know exponentially. but, but how I did it was I, I reassociated with what I wanted and why I wanted it. You know, as we go through this, this cycle—it's so critical again—that you focus on what you want and, and not what you don't want. You have to, and so one of the first things in my boot camp we do is goal setting on steroids. Because how the heck do you get anything if you don't know what it is and you don't know what it is that you want with clarity and why you want it? You've got to have what Napoleon Hill in his book *Think and Grow Rich* calls a burning desire. You've got to have that burning desire to push through that fear, to push through any limiting beliefs that you might have. You know, when I immigrated this country, Jim, I. I didn't speak English and I got thrown into school and I found out what bullies were for the first time. And I got my butt kicked regularly and you know, I hadn't learned how to fight back yet. And then my mom, God bless her, proud Dutch woman that she is, thought it'd be a great idea to send me to school for show and tell in wooden shoes and those leather shorts the Germans wear for Oktoberfest, those later hosing. So I got a butt kicking again. And then the bullies would chase me home and my mom thought it'd be a great idea to chase them off with a fly swatter. So next day, butt kicking again. And so, you know, I came up with this belief system that I wasn't good enough. And many people have these limiting belief systems. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not analytical enough or, you know, I'm not old enough, young enough, whatever. And there's a reason the acronym for belief systems is BS because 99% of them are. But it's so important that you're consciously aware of them because, you know, when you look at them with your adult rational mind, you know, they dissipate, but, but you've got to consciously look at them. And, you know, I used to be afraid to raise my hand in class and now I speak in front of thousands of people a year. You know, because I because I dealt with those limiting beliefs, but like I said, you I had to reassociate with what I wanted and why I wanted it, and then then I had to make a decision. You know, you know, I could wallow in in misery, or I could just get my butt up and take massive action and make things happen again, and I did. And you know, as a human being, we go through these periods in our life where they're transition or you know transitional periods, and you know, and the other thing is 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 getting around the right group of people you know, I'll brag for a minute. I have a coaching program as well. And my coaching students are somewhere in the 60 to 70,000 units owned range. And I've only been teaching a little over four years. I'm super proud of that. But most of those were done between, they're called my warriors. They're my coaching students. And most of those were done between warriors. So, because, you know, you need to be in a group of people that aren't afraid of your success, that aren't going to try to, hurt you because they're afraid of, you know, uh, they're jealous or, you know, you know, they might be jealous of your success. They might be uh, f- fearful. That's very common. And they'll, and they'll hold you back out of that fear, you know, and or, you know, they're afraid of being perceived to be less than because of your success. And and so it's really important that you you know most people default to the people they went to school with or the people they work with. You need to proactively be around people that want more out of life people that that'll push you and hold you accountable and sometimes I'm going to tell you those naysayers are your family I'm going to tell you love your family, but choose your peers. you want to be around people that think what you think is hard is easy. See, I've I've got a mastermind. It's called the Multifamily Boardroom. It's the largest of its type, I believe, in the world. There's $14 in assets represented by the members. In fact, we're meeting next week in Houston. We meet three times a year. And I formed that thing because I want to be around people that think what I think is hard is easy. You know, if you you, you play tennis, you want to play somebody harder that's better than you or somebody that's worse than you, right? And so, you know, obviously somebody that's better. And so, you know, your peer group is super important right now. You know, and again, that's a great, op- a great reason to come to my boot camp or, or something like it. So the year round people that want more out of life that, you know, are going to, you know, when, when I lost it all, I was in Tony Robbins Platinum Partnership. It's a mastermind. There were guys in there and women in there that were thriving through the crash. They're like, oh, 50 million, get up you big puss and just get back to work. You know, that's the kind of people you want to be around, right? The people that are going to push you and hold you accountable. Hey, Leftfielders, this is Julian McClurkin from TribeVest. I recently had the pleasure of sitting down with Jim Pfeiffer
0: for a masterclass. I learned so much from passive investing to real estate syndications to how you can diversify your portfolio with a tribe. I also learned how this form of passive investing was only available to the wealthy until recently. If I learned a lot, you will too. Go to leftfieldinvestors.com and check out the masterclass button at the top or look up TribeVest on YouTube. I'll see you there. That's great stuff. That's really great. There's a lot that we talk about here in our community about the power of community and why you need, especially in in something like this passive investing, where you know you walk out your front door and neighbors aren't talking about this. You, you like you said, your family isn't talking about this, so you got to go find your peers. You got to find people that can help you and, and help talk about this. So I I'm all in on community. I want to talk a little bit more about limiting beliefs. I think that's great the way you were talking about them. Can you? Tell us a few. Like, what are some limiting beliefs that you see in passive investors? And how are they able to overcome those?
1: Sure. Listen, by the way, we go through this at my boot camp. Like that's not your typical real estate boot camp. You come, you will cry, you will laugh, you will get really in touch with who you are, you'll create an identity statement, and we absolutely work on fears and limiting beliefs. So here's the key with limiting beliefs. And there's so many different kinds. You know, like I said, I'm not good enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not analytical enough, I'm not old enough, I'm not young enough, I'm, you know, I don't have enough time, whatever. And so The key with a limiting belief is if you know you have one, you've literally got to stop when it pops up and look at it rationally with your adult mind. There's, you know, I felt like I wasn't good enough, but listen, anybody that that would reject me, and this is what I said to myself, that would reject me just doesn't know me. I've got a beautiful heart. I'm a gift from God. And if they don't like me, it's their own It has nothing to do with me. And I had to consciously come to terms with that, realizing that it's the truth. Listen, 99.9% of those limiting beliefs are complete their BS, but you've got to drag them out into the daylight consciously and it will start to mitigate them. Now, it won't happen overnight. It took several times for me to do it. But again, that was a real big one for me. I mean, I will tell you, you know, I used to ask myself, how can I show them I'm good enough? And When I discovered that question just by doing self-reflection, I probably cried for about 30 minutes. I'm like, holy, shit, that's what it was. I had to show the world I was good enough. And I will tell you, I'll tell you a story about this, Jim. I built this house on the beach, an eight million. I'm just please know it's not me bragging when I share stuff like this, but I built this eight million dollar mansion on the beach, you know, beach on one side, boats on the back side. I mean, just spectacular home. And I built it to prove the world I was good enough. I, I had an epiphany when I was floating in my pool two months after I moved in. I worked for this thing for 20 years and I'm looking up at this testament to my ego that I, when I'm floating in the pool one night, two months after I moved in, I got super depressed. That ties into goals, by the way. You know, I had been totally focused on me. To prove the world I was good enough. And, you know, that's the year I started my foundation. And, if, you know, I'm blessed to say we fed 110,000 kids over the last 22 years. I've done tens of thousands of backpacks filled with school supplies to local kids that don't have the basic supplies for school. I've done tens of thousands of teddy bears to give to officers and deputies in their cars here in Sarasota and Bradenton if they encounter a child that's been traumatized. And, you know, and not let me, let's, there's a message in all that. Again, I'm not bragging here. Please know that there's a message. And, you know, we've been taught that we have to achieve to be happy. But if you're giving back in any fashion, you're happily achieving. And I know it's a play on words. Tony Robbins calls it the science of achievement, versus the art of fulfillment. Achievement really is a science. You know, if you want to be really good at multifamily, passively or actively, for God's sakes, come to my boot camp. You'll get the blueprint. You'll know how to analyze deals. You know what's going on. So that's a science. But fulfillment really is an art. You know, you've got to find what juices you and you're passionate about. For me, it's kids. You know, maybe it's the elderly for you or the environment or animals, whatever it is. Give back right now. Don't say you'll do it when you have money or whatever. Do it now because the success, not only, you know, will you feel better and you'll be fulfilled and you'll be happier, the success will come faster. Now, you don't do it for that reason, but that's that's the truth of it. That's the way God works or the universe, whatever you believe works. So anyway, I kind of went on, off on a tangent there, but hopefully it added value. That's really
0: great stuff on, on the mindset and limiting beliefs and all that. I do want to go back to a couple of things you said. One was you said there's you know recession coming, but also you said incredible opportunity coming. Can you explain what that opportunity is and and how as passive investors do we uh, jump in and get part of that?
1: You just get involved the right deals. You've got to find the right deals and you know there will be operators that will be out there, you know, that won't be fearful and won't be super aggressive and they'll be waiting for these depressed prices to snap up properties. Listen, you know, first of all, as you know and I'm sure you've heard on this show many times, Um, you know, inflation is not a good thing, but it does not hurt us that are invested in real estate because not only do food and gas go up, rents go up. But the point is, you know, rents are not going to go down. You know, historically, they've always trended up and that's going to continue. And if operators are able to get assets, I know I'm going to be able to. I'm in a lot of cash right now. I hate it because it's it's like going down in value every freaking day. But with crisis, again, comes opportunity and cash is king in a crisis. Or your ability to access cash. And so, you know, there will be heavily discounted deals. There'll be there'll be deals that banks take back, and banks are not in the business to manage property. They need to unload it. And so, you know, there'll be incredible opportunities for seasoned operators are operators that know what they're doing. And, and, you know, and if you're thinking about becoming an operator and not just being passive, you know, if you're going to try to learn this in the midst of the recession, it'll be too late. You need to learn it now again. So I don't care if you come see me, but go to YouTube university, whatever, but really get up to speed on this business, start building those relationships right now so that you can capitalize on it when it happens. And, but yeah, the whole opportunity is going to be, you know, discounted properties, Jim, and you know, it'll bounce back. It'll definitely bounce back
0: yeah, and you've mentioned a couple of times aggressive deals and you know operators that are that are pushing the limits. Can you talk about how does a passive investor know if someone's being aggressive? Are you talking about? Huge rent increases or, or what What? What are you talking about there? Huge,
1: huge rent increases is one for sure. You know, has that operator gone through the 2008 crash are they are they pie in the sky thinking it's going to be great forever like I was in 06 and 07? You know, I had to get my my butt handed to me to recognize that. And, and I think people that went through that crash successfully or unsuccessfully are a lot more conservative than those that haven't experienced that. Now I have a free resource I'll just give it to your peeps I'm it's a list of questions you should ask a general partner before you get into a deal and if if you want this list just text the word GP questions to 72345. I mean, it's got questions like, you know, I've got it here in my hand. You know, why'd you choose this market, this property? Do you want other assets in this market? What's your business plan for the asset? You know, how do you plan to refinance? Or are you going to get a supplemental loan? What's your CapEx budget? You know, who's going to do the actual work? Have you ever worked with that management company before? Who's going to manage the renovation process? What happens if, if something happens to one of the KPs? And on and on. I mean, there's, there's like, I don't know, 50 questions in here. You know, how do you communicate with the team? You know, what CPA firm are you using? When are distributions made? On and on. So there's just a bunch of great questions there. If you want it, again, just text GP questions to seven two three four five and I'll make sure you get it. But you know, you've got it again. Like I said earlier, you why would you give your hard-earned money to someone? You work your butt off for of that money to just be lazy and not take a few extra steps and learn what it is you're going to invest in. If you're going to do IPOs, for God's sake, you better study IPOs. If you're going to invest in franchises, you better study that. If you're going to invest in multifamily, by God, get your butt to my boot camp. You'll be glad you did. And plus there'll be there'll be dozens of super successful operators there that you can break bread with to really get to know. Instead of just watching them on a webinar, you can see what they're like. And I'm going to tell you you know, you may you may think this is foofy, but intuition is super huge in this business. You know, your brain is so powerful. There's a book about this called Blink. I'm trying to think of the author's name. Big name on. Well, anyway, it's you know, and the example there in that book is art expert can look at a painting and they know it's a fake, but they don't know why they know it's a fake. And our human brains are so powerful that we can discern subconsciously things that that that, that are showing us that something's off. Okay. You know, you've got that feeling in your gut. And so if you can come to my boot camp, you'll be able to meet these operators, go have lunch with them, dinner with them, get to really see them face to face. And if your gut feels funny, trust it. Because again, your brain can pick up on nuances that you're not consciously aware of. I'm going to tell you, women are better at this than men. It's not a sexist comment. It's the truth. Women have better intuition. But the point is men can hone that as well. And you got to trust it. Every time I've ignored it, I've had my butt handed to me every single time I've regretted it. So Anyway, that's great advice and I think
0: meeting in person and getting your face in front of these syndicators is a great way you know you phone call zoom all that that's great They give you some information but being in front of them like you said, break bread with them you really develop connections and that just makes business easier. So I really like that
1: you can feel them you know do they feel a little aggressive, sleazy, whatever do you connect with them because you're in bed with them for you know three to five years so it's super important yeah.
0: I absolutely agree. So you also talked about stress tests on these deals. So I understand syndicators, they do their stress tests and they, sometimes they put the, that data in the pro forma or in the, uh, the executive summary they send out. How does a passive investor stress test a deal or check that the stress test that the syndicator did is reasonable?
1: Well, ideally, you've got a spreadsheet that you can utilize. By the way, I forgot to mention this: if you get the pay the one ninety seven for a bootcamp ticket, you get our deal evaluator software. It's an incredible spreadsheet with videos on how to use it. Very user friendly uh you also get my document library which cost me tens of thousands of dollars for these documents hell those two things alone are worth 10 times the 197 so you get that instantly but you know you need to know how to fill that thing out and play around with it a little yourself you should spend a little time doing your own analysis now you know if you can get the spreadsheet that the operator used to run their numbers and work that that's even better but a lot of those guys are hesitant to give that but you know plug in the numbers yourself you know, do a little homework. Do a little, you know, market research. And do you know, and look at what what is the break even on it? What happens if the interest rate goes to X? You know, what exit cap are they using for their analysis? Because you know, when interest rates go up, cap rates go up. Okay, and you want to know the definition of a bad day. Somebody has a cash flowing asset, and the cap rates have gone up enough where they try to refinance, and they can't get the value they need to refinance. That's a bad day, and we're going to see that. That's coming. I t- promise you, that's coming. So. Like I said, right now, bridge debt is the bell of the ball in more than Fannie and Freddie, and it's very dangerous financing. Frankly, there's a lot of wild cards out there in that space, and and it's adjustable rate and so on and so forth. And you know, and there's going to be there's going to be some casualties. I already know it. So, so what do you think
0: about you know talking about bridge debt? If if a deal has bridge debt, but they also have a rate cap, is that is that enough for uh, to to protect you, or is that that not?
1: It's not because you got to refinance that debt out, right? And so if the interest rates have gone up, you know, you need to pro forma the exit strategy, both cap rate and interest rate. And, and I think that's where a lot of operators are being aggressive. You know, the times of, of using an exit cap of, you know, an additional, you know, what is it, 10 basis points or 20 basis points a year are over. You're going to have to raise it more than that. And so, you know, those are the kinds of things you need to look at and understand and that we go through, you know, at my events. Yeah, that makes sense. So what should passive investors be doing
0: right now? Like you mentioned that you're holding more cash than you want to. And and, and you you mentioned the pain of that. And I get that. But, you know, if we have capital, sitting on the sidelines is, is hard because you're losing, but you don't want to invest in deals that aren't, you know, aren't, aren't
1: going to live up to what you need them to really just be more careful right now don't just you know just because someone has previous success it shoot you'd have to be an idiot not to have had success the last 10 years okay honestly okay so if they're telling you all they're great You know, returns that they had the last few years. Listen, most of that was luck. I'm just going to tell you, 80, 90% of that was just flat out luck and the market. So don't just assume that because they've been successful. I'll give you an example of this. I partnered with a deal, a guy on a deal in Shreveport, and I would have never bought in Shreveport. I just don't like the demographics. But in, that's not a racial comment. Just the area is just depressed, very depressed. And and so, you know, it's 403 unit asset. I got talked into it, you know, because I, I was gonna back out. I, I'm trying to make a long story short, but the seller paid 20 million for it 10 years ago. We we had it under contract for 17 and a half. I found out about some flooding, I said no, we're out. Then they came back and said we'll take a million off. So we got it for sixteen and a half. Now we just sold it and we made a lot of money, but that operator had never managed a C-class asset. He had a management company and he was going to manage it. He had 4,000 doors, so I thought he knew what he was doing. Well, when I finally wrestled it away from him eight months in, the income was 98000 a month. When we sold it last month, it was at two eighty. okay? And so that's what we had to do with it because he didn't know what he was doing. And there's a lot of that out there. And so- you know, even in seasoned operators. You know, I made the mistake and I'm perceived as an expert. I assumed he knew what he was doing, A-S-S-U-M-E, right? Separated. So it's just very, very important that you do your homework. You don't jump into deals and people are raising money so, so fast right now. But I know these deals, there's a <laughs> lot of scary deals out there right now that people aren't aware are scary. So that's the thing I want to say. Just be careful, be prudent and learn the business.
0: Yeah, that makes good sense there. And so you're in a multifamily. Are there other asset classes you think will perform well over the next few years? or And why are you so bullish on multifamily as well?
1: Well, like I said, I mean, I the rents rebounded after our major 0809 crash within three years and they exceeded 06 levels. And you know, people need a place to live. Okay, so it's it's it, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They got to have shelter, right? And so, but I listen. I love mobile home parks as well, which is technically multifamily, but but like self storage as well. You know, I like single tenant retail. If you really take pay attention to the tenant in that and get a big national, well funded, well you know liquid retailer. But my focus is multifamily. I believe in focus. I believe if you dilute your focus, everything suffers. And so, you know, my partner, who's done six billion dollars worth of real estate, is an expert in. Retail as well. And we may look at some retail, but right now multifamily is the bell of the ball and, and there's going to be incredible opportunity in, in this space. So, you know, very excited about that. So,
0: and, and do you still believe in the value add opportunities or does that change as the market changes?
1: Oh, there's definitely still value add opportunities, definitely still value add opportunities for sure. So, I mean, you just, they're just harder to find. I mean, you just have to, you know, we're kissing probably 300 frogs to find a deal.
0: Yeah, as a passive investor, what is a question or two you would always ask a sponsor as you're, you know, in the getting to know you process, and you're trying to figure out, hey, is this someone I want to invest in? What are a couple of things that you look out for?
1: I listed some from this resource again. Text GP questions to seven two three four five. You get all fifty of these, uh, or however many there are in here. You know, what's the, you know, obviously you want to ask what the returns are, equity multiple. You know, how do, how do they stress test? You know, have they ever given a property back to a lender? You know, do they do, a, a you know, the break-even occupancy? Have they had any failures? How have they dealt with those failures? Have they ever a deal go sideways? Have they been full cycle on a deal? You know, how long have they been doing this? You know, are there waterfalls? Who are the largest investors in the deal? You know, if there are larger investors, you know, are they raising operating capital? Like we always do six months of expenses in operating capital and there are operators that don't do that. You know, they'll think they can have the cash flow offset some of the capex and, and that's that's a recipe for disaster. You've got to raise that money. And so things like that. There's a few more.
0: That's fantastic. The the last question I usually ask on the podcast is, what is a great podcast that you listen to? You can't use lifetime cash flow through real estate investing. That will be in the show notes regardless. But other than your podcast, what's one that you like
1: to listen to? I listen to Tim Ferriss and Joe Rogan for contradictory political sentiment. But I will tell you a little quick mention on Tim Ferriss. You know, I talk about focus, how focus is so critical and managing your focus. Most successful people on the planet have the best focus. And Tim Ferriss deconstructs some of the best, you know, I get a Excited about my 13 million downloads, and you know he gets that a week, and he deconstructs some of the best performers in the in the world in the different genres, like actors like Jamie Foxx, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Hugh Jackman, Ed Norton, and you know uh, Olympic athletes like Michael Phelps, uh, billionaires like Ray Dalio, and I started to hear a pattern. Many of these people meditate, and what does meditation enhance? Focus, right? So, you know, I thought that was really insightful when I realized that that you know, these people really pay attention to managing their focus.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. So I will put those uh, podcasts in the show notes. And then if you can tell us again give us the info for the boot camp and then tell us if people want to connect with you what's the best way to do that. So go
1: to rodslinks.com. I have free books there. I've got so much all my social media connections are there. I've got Oh by the way I have a goal setting workshop there that I did on January 1st. It's an hour and a half with a goal setting guide. If you can't make my boot camp, do that with your spouse. Do it with your elder, you know kids that are above 10 years old. It's so powerful. There's music, it's professionally done. So again that's rodslinks.com. And just download the free guide, do the goal setting. It's super powerful, so important. But the boot camp is rodindenver.com, rodindenver.com, or text my name, Rod, to 72345. And yeah, and I hope you'll come listen to my podcast called Lifetime Cash Flow Through Real Estate Investing. I do a clip every week about mindset. It's five minutes called Own Your Power. Even if you're not interested in, in you know, um, you must be interested in multifamily if you're on this show. You give me a five minutes a week, I will juice you. So again, it's lifetime cash flow through real estate investing, and it's called. There's, there's hundreds of them there, and I do one every week, and I'm, I'm really proud of them. And and I know that's the biggest reason the podcast has been such a success because people don't remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. And I'll make you feel.
0: I love those interview episodes too, but the short episodes are, are a great listen uh, during the
1: week as well. Oh, thank you, buddy. Appreciate that. Yeah,
0: I love those. So thank you very much, Rod, for being on the podcast. We really appreciate. Uh, getting to know you a little bit, and we'll definitely uh, check out the boot camp and those sponsor questions. Absolutely. All that will be in the show notes. So, again, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. That was a fun conversation with Rod. A lot about mindset, a little bit about, you know, investing, but mindset is so important. And I really liked a lot of the stuff he said, you know, take action because I think a lot of us are, especially now with the recession possibly coming, interest rates are high, inflation, you know, we're hoarding cash maybe and, and a little bit nervous to, to take action. But you still have to take action regardless of the, of the situation, regardless of what the market is like, you, you still need to take action. You just need to maybe take smarter action. Than we have over the past few years, as as Rod said, many people, most people, all people probably made money the last 10 years. It's not going to be like that going forward. So taking action doesn't mean just do anything. Take smart action. And he also said what you focus on gets larger. And this goes for if you're focusing on the good stuff or the bad stuff, it's going to get larger. And man, that's great advice. Focus on something good. The good will get bigger. You focus on something bad or negative the same thing will happen. It will get bigger. So take your focus off the negative, move it to the positive. Easy to say, hard to do. And he used a great example of debt. You just change your focus, right? If you have a lot of college debt, change the focus from how do I eliminate that debt to how do I make so much money that that debt becomes inconsequential? Again, hard to do. But if you can change that mindset, I think that just has a huge effect in everything else that you do. So I really liked That example, of course, he talked about you got to get around the right people. And you hear me talking, preaching all the time about the value and the power of community. And Rod said it right you got to get around the right people. And what he said also was, Love your family, choose your peers. And boy, that makes sense, right? As I talk about, sometimes you walk out your front door, you're not going to be able to chat with a neighbor about syndication investing in real estate. They're going to think you're nuts. So, They might not be the right people. So go find your community. You can still hang out with your neighbors on the weekends. You can still love your family, but maybe you're not talking finance with them. Maybe you're talking finance with the people who you found in your community who know about finance and you guys can share knowledge. And you're always looking for someone who knows more than you, who's the better, as he said, a better tennis player than you. So you will get challenged. And that's what you need to do with your community as well. And then another thing, give back now. Don't wait until success Hit you i know i i get in that where you're like yeah I'll, I'll be very giving and 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 give give my resources when i have more resources but if you start now you'll be much better off and positive things will happen to you success will come to you if you give you get it sounds corny it doesn't sound realistic or real but i've i've seen it you know the more you give the more i give to the community of left field investors the more i get back i've gotten more from this community than anyone. I know that for a fact because I've talked to so many of you and I've learned so much and I'm so thankful for it. But that comes from giving to the community, you get back from the community. And that I think translates into all aspects of life. So again, this was a unique episode, I think, because you can tell Rod is passionate about mindset and about training you on your focus and, and things like that. So he had some great Great lines that I will uh, remember. Love your family, choose your peers. What you focus on gets larger. I love those. So that's it for today. We will see you next time in the left field. Thanks for hanging out in left field with us today. If you're interested in becoming a left fielder, you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.leftfieldinvestors.com or you can send me an email, jim at leftfieldinvestors.com.
2: Thank you for listening to the Passive Investing from Left Field Podcast. If you enjoy the show, please go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate and review the show. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said on the show should be considered financial advice. Before making any decisions, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by passive investing from left field and left field investors. Written permissions must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.